He is our God. Yes. That is just who He is. Amen. That is just who He is. Hallelujah. He's a miracle working God. And He still does miracles. He ain't changed. He is still the same. What he done then, he will do now. We just have to believe him forward. Amen. And it's up to us to believe. We have it's up to us to believe. Amen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we go into your word, Lord God, lead us through it, Lord God. Speak to us today. Minister your word to us today. Feed us, Lord God, that we will grow so that we can mature in you, Lord God. And then apply it. Then apply it to our lives, Lord God. You are a way maker. You are a promise keeper. You are a light in the darkness. You are our God. That's who you are, God. So, Father, speak to us on the wings of the anointing. Let your words flow. That break the yokes and break the chains, Lord God. Ooh, get past the hard, callous surface of our minds and deposit into our spirit. Make us pliable right now, God. Speak illumination of the revelation of your word, Lord God. Use me as a vessel, Lord God. Move me out of myself, Lord God. Teach us today, God, like never before. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, it's happy Father's Day and it's happy, more importantly, like I said at the top, happy Heavenly Father's Day. Amen. Because this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. So, as we get ready to go into the Word, I have an announcement or better yet, a pronouncement. What is a pronouncement? It's an authoritative statement. That's what a pronouncement is. God the Father is a healer. Better yet, God the Father is our healer. Mm, let me put it where you can really get it. God the Father is your healer. Amen. Now, I understand that these words can be comforting and something to say in church, and it's also frustrating words to others, you know, because the subject of healing is not straightforward, amen, uh, because it's, e it's not straightforward because it's easy to talk about when you don't need it. <laughs> But it becomes a challenge when you do need it. And when it comes close to your home. Huh? It's a challenging word. Challenging to believe. It's easy to believe when it's all good. When everything's gravy. When the sun is shining. Amen. The birds are chirping and the skies are blue. But it's much more challenging or much more frustrating when it's you going through some stuff with sickness in your body, sickness in your mind, sickness in your family, 
sickness for those who you knew had, had walked by faith and not by sight. It's a challenging word. But nevertheless, God is a healer. And our healer. Amen. So my desire to approach this subject is with the right conception because the wrong conception will lead to misconception. Amen. So we're going to Exodus chapter 15. We will begin there. Exodus chapter 15. God is a healer. Now the book of Exodus, like the other books of the Pentateuch, names no particular author. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those are what is called what are called the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Bible. Amen. Amen. So Jewish and early Christian tradition declares that Moses is the author of those books. Amen. Moses is the author of the books. And Exodus chapter 15 is a and Exodus in general is a combination, is a continuation of Genesis. In that you see the fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham to make him a great nation. And that nation is the nation of Israel. Now the original audience was the people, guess what, of Israel. <laughs> and as I've always said, the Bible wasn't written to us, it was written for us. And in chapter 15, it has two of the most powerful worship songs that I believe have ever been written. Amen. If you read the whole chapter. Because if you read through this chapter, it will tell you how the Israelites rejoiced to see God deliver them from the Egyptians. I challenge you to read chapter 15 all the way through when you have an opportunity. And you remember that God parted the Red Sea so that they could cross over on what? Dry ground. And then he let the water, let them pass, but then Pharaoh's army got what? Drowned in the Red Sea. Y'all know that song, Lord Mary, don't you read? Amen. And some people say, well, uh, it was only two inches of water that they walked through. Well, which is an even greater miracle because if he drowned them in two inches of water, <laughs> that's, a, that's a miracle, right? Amen. And this was truly a day that the Lord had made, and they were rejoicing, and they were being glad in it. So much so that they celebrated with singing and dancing with Moses' sister Miriam leading the worship. Look at verse number 20. It says this, And Miriam, the prophetess, a prophet, the sister of Aaron, took a temporal or tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels or tambourines and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his riders have he thrown into the sea. Now Miriam was called a prophet not only because she received revelation from God, but because of her musical skill. Prophecy and musical music were often closely related in the Bible according to 1 Samuel chapter 10 verse 5 and 1 Chronicles 25 and verse 1. 
They were having themselves a good time in the Lord, celebrating the deliverance that God had just, or the miracle that God had just performed. Amen? Amen? So let's look at the continuation after they did all that dancing and, and crying out to God and celebrating. Verse number 22 said, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness or the desert of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness or in the desert and found what? No water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah, which means bitter. And verse 24 said this, And the people did what? Against who? Moses. Saying, what shall we drink? Now don't forget three days earlier. <laughs> they were celebrating what God had done. Singing and dancing triumphantly. And claiming the praises of our God. But three days later, <laughs> they were murmuring. It doesn't take long for your heart to go from thanksgiving to complaining. From tambourine shaking to hand wringing and fists raised up against God or even the man of God. Amen? Mm. Here they are confronted by another water problem with no visible solution in view. And they immediately forecast doom for themselves. Usually, and I'm not saying y'all, but some people, in another place, when you hear bad news, the first thing your mind goes to is the doom part. Hmm? Here was a water problem with no solution. And here they go to first just, just murmuring, amen? Just murmuring, <laughs> going through doom. What does that mean? It's easy to expect the worst and not believe for the best. Let me let that sit there. It's easy to expect the worst and not believe for the best. It's easier to believe the wrong things, the doom and the gloom, than to expect God to deliver you out of this situation. Hmm? Hmm? They had witnessed for themselves what God could do with a water problem. <laughs> and you only doubt what God can do because you forget what God has done. Hmm? Hmm? You doubt what God can do because you forget what he has done. If I went through some of y'all Rolodex or your videotape or whatever the case may be, and you look back and see what God brought you through. And since he brought you through that stuff that you thought you couldn't get out of. You don't think he can get you out of this even? You don't test God. You need to trust God. Amen. His reliability is not something that needs to be established because he is faithful even when you are not. 
All right? He is faithful even when you're not. But see, what a companion to testing God is murmuring. What is murmuring? It means to grumble and complain. Hmm? Murmuring is grumbling. It means to, to grumble and complain. How many have complained? You know, oh, God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a companion to trust testing God. And that opens the door for the, for the devil to come in. It gives him a place of opportunity by, through your murmuring. Hmm? Although this murmuring was directed at Moses to raise a question about God's servant, it's to raise a question about God. Because they believed Moses were the, was their deliverers all the way up until this point. He was sent by God to deliver us from the Egyptians. He was sent by God to let us walk through the Red Sea. But as soon as they hit another issue, hey, wait a minute, Moses ain't all that. They began to grumble and complain. Amen. Murmuring is a frame of mind in which you believe that in difficulties that God is insufficient. Hmm? It's the frame of mind in which you believe that when you are in your difficulties, God is insufficient. Hmm. And just because your situation is big does not mean God has peaked. <laughs> no situation that we have is too big for God to handle. God has not peaked in any situation. I don't care how bad it looks out here. God has not peaked in this situation because he knew all about it in the first place. And everything that's going on, he already knew about it because he, he set it in motion. And everything that is going on is in motion to get us back to God. And the situations that we are going through, he is trying to get us back to him. And sometimes you got to make the situation so big from our viewpoint that the only way we can that he can deliver us to, is for us to see it through our eyes so that we can start relying on him. But see, God didn't respond because of their murmurings. He responded despite their murmurings. Hmm? Let's see what happens next. And he, talking about Moses, cried unto the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made, what, sweet. Moses, God, the Lord showed him a tree. It don't say here that God told him to put the tree in the water. But yet Moses was led to put the tree in the water. And when he did what God told him, the waters were made sweet. Remember, Mara was a place of bitterness. So when he put a tree, an unconventional object that was readily available everywhere, he put it in the water that were the waters that were bitter. That unconventional object made the water sweet. 
Why did I say it like that? God can use you. You're an unconventional object. An unconventional creation. He can use you to make these bitter waters sweet out here. And guess what? He wants to use you to make these bitter waters sweet. An unconventional object. A con it's unconventional in that sense, but it's a common object because trees are everywhere. Amen. But then, think about this. They are in the desert and come upon some waters, and now they come upon trees that God had put in there. So the provision was already made for the waters to be made sweet. It was up to Moses to cry out to the Lord and get the direction so that the waters could be made sweet. God will provide before you even know you need the provision. And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree which when he cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. In verse number 26, and said, if thou wilt what? Diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep his statutes, I will put what? None of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon thee, what? Egyptians. For I am who? The Lord. That healeth thee. Another translation says, I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. Yes. Here God introduces another dimension of himself. He reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha is one of the many different names of God found in the Old Testament, which literally means the Lord heals. The Lord who heals. The Hebrew word Rapha means to cure, heal, repair, mend, and to restore health. It means to cure, heal, repair, mend, and to restore health. It's part of simple form. Form Rofi is one who heals. Rofi is one who heals. Is the one. Rofi is the Hebrew word for doctor. And the main idea of the verb Rapha is physical healing. Alright? It's physical healing. Now some have tried a way, tried to explain away the biblical teaching of divine healing, but you can see in verse 26 that it talks about physical diseases and the divine cure. Amen? Now, Jehovah Rapha didn't just heal water, but he also can heal people. It's not just about the water, it's about the people. The healing of the waters was a demonstration of God's power to overcome any impurity, any contamination, and any corruption. Sickness is an impurity and contamination. And God can overcome that impurity. Amen? I know sometimes it's hard to believe. Especially when you believed before and it didn't come out the way you wanted. Amen. But that nevertheless, God is still a 
the God who heals. He's Jehovah Rapha. And verse 26 refers to, is referred to as the Old Testament divine healing covenant. It's called a covenant because in it God promises he will keep his people free from disease based on the condition of their diligent obedience. Let me read this again so that you can understand. And said, if thou wilt what? Diligently hearken or listen or carefully listen to the voice of the Lord and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee. So it's based on the obedience to what God has said. Now, most people read the benefits promised in God's word, but they fail to read the conditions that are attached to them. We want the healing, but we don't want the obedience part. <laughs> huh? Hmm? <laughs> God's nature is to heal. His will and compassionate desire is to make you whole. So let's go a little bit deeper, all right? The question is, is healing a right or a grace? <laughs> let's go to 2 Kings. Is healing a right or is it a grace? God is our healer. Mm. Jehovah Rapha. Amen. Second Kings chapter 20. I'm going to start at verse number 1. And it says this. I'll give you a couple seconds because Kings is up in there somewhere. You know, sometimes, like me, it took me a minute to get to Kings. <laughs> it's nestled in there. But if you go past Second Kings, you went too far. <laughs> if you go past Second Kings, you went too far. You go down first, you stop at first Kings, you haven't gone far enough. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 20, it says this, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto what? Death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus said the Lord to do what? Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. The prophet came to tell Hezekiah that the Lord said to get yourself together because you're going to die. And you ain't going to live. But see, Hezekiah didn't fall apart. Because in verse 2, it says, then he turned his face to the wall. In other words, he stopped looking at the mess. Yeah. <laughs> turned away from the mess and focused his attention where it needed to be, which was on God. Then he turned his face to the to the wall and prayed where? Unto the Lord. And when he prayed to the Lord, he sang, he said, I beseech you, O Lord, remember how remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and was perfect and with and with a perfect heart. And have done that which was good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. So he did not just pray no flip, a flippant prayer. He prayed a prayer to remind God 
of how he walked with God like God didn't know, but he needed to remind God for himself how he had walked with God. As he turned his back from the mess to the wall. And at that wall, he seen nothing but God and turned his attention strictly to God and spoke directly to God, even though the prophet was sitting there. Now, the word came through the prophet, but Hezekiah took his eye off the prophet and said, okay, I got your word, and so I got your word, so this is what I'm going to do, but I'm going to turn to my God. <laughs> he didn't go around to get ten prophecies. <laughs> or prophesize, amen. He turned his back and got into the face of his God. And when he reminded God what he, what he had, how he had walked with him, verse 4 says, and it came to pass before or before Isaiah was gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, turn again and tell Hezekiah the captain of my people, thus said the Lord, the, the God of David thy father, I have what? I have heard thy prayer. Now God did not speak directly to Hezekiah. He went back to that same prophet that told him the doom and gloom and told that same prophet to tell Hezekiah that he was getting ready to deliver him from that sickness. Amen. Amen. He said, I have heard thy prayers. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will do what? Heal thee. Heal thee. And on the third day, some about three days, right? Thou shalt go up unto the where? House of the Lord. After three days, you're going to get up. The healing didn't come immediately. It took him three days to get back to strength so that he could do what? Go to the house of the Lord. Hmm? It's interesting that God made him wait three days when God had the ability to heal him instantly and say go then. The thing was Hezekiah was not ready for the house of God and God had to see what Hezekiah's reaction was going to be. It don't say it, but I believe that that's why he does. He may not come when you want him. <laughs> We'll be there right on time, right? And sometimes he has to see where your heart is. He already knows he wants you to see where your heart is. <laughs> Just like Sister said last week, he went to Job, and he went to say, Satan came to him, he said, hey, take my boy Job out. Because he knew Job wasn't going to fail him. And he did the same thing to Hezekiah. He waited three, he said, three days later, you get up and you go. Amen. To the house. And then verse number six says this, and I will add unto thy days how many? And I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my David, for my, for my servant, what? David's As we read, Hezekiah prayed, Jehovah, Jehovah Rapha heard his prayer and healed him and delivered the city <laughs> out of the hand of the enemy. Hezekiah's faith delivered the city. If Hezekiah had not turned his back 
to the wall and prayed to his God, the city would have been destroyed. Why I say that? It's important what you believe and how you go to your Lord, your God. Yeah. He didn't go murmuring. He went telling, putting into remembrance how he had walked with God. He didn't complain to God. He just made God remember. You gotta be careful. Murmuring. Amen. Amen. We don't often think about this truth. God didn't have to heal him. God chose to heal him. Because remember, through the prophet, God already said that he was going to die. But God chose to heal him. Instead, this aspect about God's healing power is the most, is the most challenging to come to grip with. Why does God choose to heal some and not heal others? I'm not lost on the fact that there are some who will tell you that it's God's will to heal everybody. But see, when most people hear that statement, they hear God will heal everyone, not it's God's will to heal everyone. There's a difference. It's God's will to heal everybody, not God will heal everybody. Mm, that's good. It's up to God to choose. It's God's choice for me to heal you in time. And even though he healed Hezekiah in time, he only healed, well, he healed him for 15 more years. What does that mean? Which means that Hezekiah died. And just because you get a healing in time, does not mean you're going to be healed in time forever. Amen? <laughs> and God's will is God's word, and there are at least 101 scriptures of his word which, said, which says it is his will, because it's his word, to heal. Amen? It doesn't matter what they say. What matters is what he says. It's his will to heal everyone, not God's will heal everyone. Amen? So you need to look at healing from a different perspective. Instead of treating healing as a right, you need to see it as a grace. Grace is the inexhaustible goodness of God poured out on whom he chooses. Amen? You are saved by grace. And you can be healed by grace. Both are gifts from God. Hmm. You need to remember this. God has all power and all authority. And he can bring, any, he can bring healing to anyone who needs it, including you. Amen? And if you are dealing with any sicknesses, do what God asks you to do. Do like Hezekiah. Call upon him. Do like Moses did when they were murmuring against him. He called upon God. God healed the water and God healed Hezekiah. But it was his choice to do it. That's right. It means it's up to God's grace. His unmerited favor to heal you in time. 
But your posture while you wait is the key. Amen. Because of Hezekiah's posture, he was able to be healed for those 15 years. His posture was he told God what he did. It don't say what he did in those three days, but rest assured he must have been something that pleased God because he got up and was healed for those 15 years. Amen. Your posture is your spiritual attitude in the matter. Your spiritual attitude in the matter. We, um, last two, well, it was Tuesday, we called Mother Carlene after our prayer call. And uh, she said, yeah, I'm going through it, but my spirit is 200%. <laughs> Her spiritual attitude was in it was put in proper perspective. She knows that she's dealing with some situations, sickness and disease, and she knows she can't do what she once did. However, she said, my spirit, man, is 200%. Which her spiritual posture was had the right perspective. And she knows that one day she will leave this earth, but she's good with it. Because she knows that the ultimate healing will take place in eternity forever. Amen. So your spiritual attitude needs to be this. Number one, your posture needs to be this. Don't let your pain become your God. Mm. Don't let your pain become your God. I know it's hard to do. <laughs> because when pain hits you, you want to make it your God. Put attention to it. Amen. Yeah. Don't let your pain become your God. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Very familiar. Very familiar. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And it says this. It's not expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come. It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Verse number four says, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for man to utter. Verse 5 says, Of such an one will I glory, yet myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire the glory, I shall not be made a fool, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth me to be. In other words, I'm a man, just like everybody else. Amen? Amen. And so God had to keep him humble. He said this, verse number 7 says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me what? A what? A thorn where? In the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet or torment me, lest I should be exalted above measure. The thorn was designed to keep Paul humble so that he wouldn't get beside himself because he's seen these great revelations 
so that he wouldn't think too highly of himself. God had to give him something to keep him dependent on him. Mm. Sometimes God has to do that because he knows us better than we know ourselves. Because he knows that if he gives us too much, we take it for granted and say that we did it and not he did it, right? For this thing I thought we sought the Lord thrice, which means three times, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities or weaknesses or in this thorn, than the, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Yeah. Amen. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, which means insults, in necessities, which means hardships, in persecutions, in distresses, which means troubles, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, if anyone had a reason to boast, it was Paul. No one else can say of heaven, been there and done that. Amen. Seen it and been back, right? So to keep him from lifting himself up, God gave him, like I said earlier, that thorn. Now there's speculation on what the thorn was. Some say an eye problem or whatever the case may be. But a thorn is something that painfully nags or irritates your humanity on a continuous basis. Sickness. <laughs> It's a thorn that will get on your nerves. When you're sick or limited in your mobility, that what? It gets on your nerve. When you get older and you can't jump out as quick as you used to, that gets on your nerve. Especially when you remember how you used to just roll out of bed and hit the floor running. Me, right now, I got to warm my feet up like an old Buick. If I get out there too fast, <laughs> I'm going to be hobbling. <laughs> it's not sickness, but it's a, it's a, you know, it's a sign that the body's breaking down. I can't do what I used to do. Even though my mind tells me that I could do what I did when I was 20. This 57-year-old body said, no, you can't. <laughs> and the body has a way of showing you who's in charge. <laughs> As they say in the old school, can I get a witness? Amen. <laughs> Sickness is a thorn. And when you are sick, you can become depressed very easily. When your body is being attacked, you can be depressed. You can get depressed very easily. I don't care how strong you are, you think you are in the Lord. When your body is under attack and nobody is there, especially in the midnight hour, it's just you and God and the devil. <laughs> a lot of times he's there too, right? Amen. Because a thorn is a tormentor. Torment don't come from God. Tormenting comes from the devil. Amen. And he will torment you. 
and it's very easy to get depressed. You grow tired of your daily suffering and you tend to feel defeated by your sickness, which can cause you to fail to look at God. Yeah. The God who can conquer sickness. I know it's not easy to suffer for hours, days, months, or even years because it's easy to sit, walk, and stand in faith when everything is going right. That's right. Amen. But it's much harder to do when you are sick and suffering. You need to decide, is the pain your God, small g, or is God your God, capital G? Amen. Hmm? Is the pain your God, small g, or is God your God, capital G? Right. See, God made us three moral ages, and we have the power to choose what we will do. Despite what some people may want to try to force you to do. God is the God of choice. You can choose him and you can choose against him. He don't force you to do anything. You can choose life or you can choose death. That's up to you. Amen. You can choose to believe God for a miracle or well, you can choose God to believe, you can choose to believe God for a miracle, and because it seems so big, you can choose to suffer and die without one. Mm. Mm. You can choose to believe God for a miracle, but because it's so big, you can choose to die without one. To suffer and die without that miracle. You can choose the pain as your God. Or you can choose God as your God. Yes. Hmm. That's good. That's real. When you surrender to your circumstances or give into your disease, it means that you are afraid to live on the front of the spiritual battle. Yes. Well, my God. Mm. My God. When you retreat to the back to get patched up, most people stay getting patched up instead of going back out to the battle. Because it's comfortable getting patched up. Battling is hard. Amen. Even though God is fighting the battle for you, all you have to do is stand in the victory already. Mm. Amen. Let me remind you, you are built for the battle. And you are created for the conflict. Yes. And you need to do just like Paul did. Amen. I would glory in what God has given me. I don't like it. I went to him three times, but God didn't take it away from me. But I'm not going to let that hold me back from serving my God. <laughs> I got this thorn, but I'm still going to serve God. I still got this thorn, but I'm still going to praise God. I got this thorn, but I'm still choosing to believe God. I got this report from the doctor, but I'm still going to believe God. Hallelujah. 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 Don't let your pain become your God. Number two, don't lose your hope. Don't lose your hope. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. 
Don't lose your hope. God is setting the stage for something here in Liberty. And he's getting us ready. He's setting foundation. And we need this foundation to be a springboard to where he wants to take us. Amen. And people, our liberty got some serious challenges. And we who are here and able need to be able to stand in the gap. But we have to have the foundation in us to be able to stand in the gap. Because being in the gap means we have to be that brick. Like in a wall. Amen. Verse chapter 5, chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, by whom also we have access by faith into what? This grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, which are troubles or problems, or even sickness and trials, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience or endurance. And patience, experience or character. And experience, what? Hope. And hope maketh not the same because the love of God is shed abroad in our where? Hearts. By the Holy Ghost, which is what? Given to us. Hope here does not mean a sense of just having an optimistic outlook or wishful thinking without any foundation. But hope here is a confident expectation based on the certainty of God's word. Amen. Amen. Which is a solid certainty. Yeah. Amen. Biblical hope rests on God's promises. Not only what we have in time, but resting on God's promise that Jesus is coming back for us. If we can hope that Jesus is coming back for us, and we can believe for that whom Jesus we had not ever seen, that he died on a place that we have never been, and he rose from a grave that we some of us have never saw unless he went to the Holy Land, we can believe God, we can believe Jesus that he can be healed in time. Amen? God's word... <laughs> This is one thing about God's word. It does not automatically and immediately, and immediately undo all of your negative realities. God's word does not automatically and immediately undo all your negative realities. Hmm? Remember, Jesus told us in John chapter 16, in this world you will have tribulation. He said that. But be of good cheer. <laughs> he said, I have overcome, that world, overcome the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. But God provides sustaining hope. Hope beyond the scope of your human limitation. Hope is never inferior, inferior to faith. It is an extension of faith. It's not inferior to faith. It's an extension of Hope and faith, they work together. It's not less than faith. <laughs> it's an extension of faith. Mm. Mm. And faith 
is the present possession of grace. Hope is confidence in grace's future accomplishment. I know it's a lot. <laughs> Faith is the present possession of grace. In other words, you believe that God, by through his grace, has saved you. It's a present possession, right? Hope is confidence in grace's future accomplished. Because he saved you, you will spend eternal life with him in heaven for eternity. Amen? And when you are believing God, when you are believing that God is your healer, all three are at work. Grace, faith, and hope. Yes. Amen? Amen. Let me take this out. God is aware of what you're going through. Yes. And he is working it out on your behalf. Amen? Amen? Amen. No matter how dark your situation is, Keep your faith because ultimately your faith will keep you. Hmm? No matter how dark it is, keep your faith because your faith is what keeps you. If you find yourself stuck in a stuck deep in a pit, look for the lifeline, which is the tube God uses to send you, uses to send you what you need to sustain you while you're while you are waiting on your breakthrough. In other words, Look for the lifeline. Yes. Look for God in the situation. Yes. Look for what he's trying to teach you, trying to show you. Yes. If he ain't trying to show you nothing, he's trying to show you to depend on him. Yes. And sometimes he has to get you into that place where you look for that lifeline. Exactly. Exactly. In the darkness, right. You have to look for the light in the darkness. And if you ever seen a dark room, a pin-sized light, you will be able to see that light in the very darkest of rooms. Amen? Because light dispels darkness. And it don't have to be a big light. Just a little light. This little light of mine, I'm going to what? Let it shine. Amen? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. He is not only Jehovah Rapha, he is Jehovah Jireh. The God who supplies all your needs. Amen. Don't lose your hope as God, your healer. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. And he is with you. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. And he is with you. He sees you. Hmm. He knows you. He loves you. And bottom line, he is with you. He will deliver you when you trust him. Don't lose your hope. And the last thing I got to say about this is don't take your eyes off Jesus. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Last scripture, Isaiah, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. This is, this is just foundation for all, for wherever God's taking us. I don't know exactly where, but we're going to follow him. Amen? Amen. <laughs> we're going to rely on him to get us there. Amen. <laughs> so I don't know how to go with 
without him. Amen. And I won't go without him. Amen. Isaiah 53, chapter, I mean, verse 1 says, Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Another translation says, The arm of the Lord is revealed to those who believe his report. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root of a dry ground. And he hath no form or no countenance. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Talking about Jesus. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse number four says, surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was what? Wounded for our what? transgressions. And he was bruised for what? Our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes what? We are healed. We are healed past tense. This chapter clearly teaches that bodily healing is included in the atoning work of Christ, his suffering and his cross. The Hebrew words for griefs and sorrows specifically mean physical affliction. The words born and carried refer to Jesus' atoning work on the cross, which is made clear by the fact they are the same words used to describe Jesus bearing our sins in verse 11, and also in Peter. These texts unequivocally link the grounds of provision for our salvation and our healing to the atoning work of Calvary. Neither is given automatically. They have to be believed. Amen. Amen. The Lord your God, he heals physically, emotionally, and mentally, but he really longs to heal you spiritually. Amen. Amen. The bottom line is this. Our full physical healing awaits us in heaven. That is not to say we can't be healed in time, because we can as, as a guy was in time. But our full physical healing forever will be in eternity. Amen. And that's what God wants to spend what, what wants to do with us. He wants to spend eternity with us. I don't know about you, but that's good news. You need to remember that time is only temporary no matter how long you live. You can live to be 120, but it's temporary according to the word. Amen. Amen. Time is only temporary. In heaven, there will be no more pain. Sickness, disease, suffering, or death, according to Revelation 21. But see, you need to be less preoccupied with your physical condition in this world and more concerned with your spiritual condition. Yes. Yeah. Amen. That if you were to leave this world today, where would you end up? Yeah. For eternity. Right. Hmm? Time is short, but eternity is long. 
You can be healed spiritually by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead and you will be saved in time and in eternity. So keep your focus on Jesus and what he has done. God, your heavenly Father, is your healer. He will heal you in time and can do it in time if he chooses to do so. But he will heal you fully in eternity based on the choice you make. <laughs> based on the choice you make. Amen? But while you wait for your eternal healing, it's all right to believe for your temporary. <laughs> Amen. Don't give up because you got a, a bad report. Do like Hezekiah did. Get into the face of your God and believe Him for healing in time. Amen. Stop letting the pain be your God. Don't lose your hope and don't take your eyes, whatever you do, off Jesus. Amen? Amen. God the Father is our healer. He is the Lord that heals us. And it is his will to heal us. Amen? Amen. Thank God for it. I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm not sorry, but I, I know I took a little bit longer than normal. But I had to get this foundation in us. So that we can go forward from here. Amen. Because God told us to hold tight to our faith. And we didn't know what with all that would all entail, right? Amen. We didn't know a lot of things that we're going through right now or people that we know are going through right now. But God prepared us to be ready. Start getting us ready way back in January. To hold tight to our faith. And our faith is tested, being tested right now. Amen. But God is a healer.